This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. Uh, let's get into that. Why don't we start in a word of prayer? Uh, Father, we thank you this morning and praise you for uh, the opportunity to look into your word. We praise you that we can gather uh, even in this format and share with one another. And we, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that we have been able to improvise and in fellowshipping with each other. Uh, Lord, we ask you that you would use these times as a, as a way for us to be reminded of the uh, immense difficulty that churches such as the, the uh, church in China uh, goes through. We can only imagine the suffering of those in North, North Korea um, and in places like um, Saudi Arabia and Turkey, Lord, where, where believers are routinely persecuted. So we, we thank you, Father, that e even though uh, we're facing this minimal hardship, we still are not persecuted to the degree that they are. And we ask you, Lord, that you would give us strength to endure persecution to the glory of your name. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, praise God. Let's, uh, let's get straight into the message here this morning. And we, we've been looking at uh, Satan as a um, deceiver a couple of weeks back. And last week we started looking at Satan as a, a destroyer and we discovered that he targets your body and his weapon is suffering. Uh, and so we want to see what is the purpose of this this morning and then see our response to this. So his, um, his target is your body and his weapon is suffering. Now, You'll gain more context if you go back a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and have a listen, because this is not the only assault uh, of the enemy, but this is one of the assaults of the enemy that as a destroyer for the individual believer, his desire is to target your body and his weapon is to use suffering. Um, Satan is a destroyer also of civilizations, and you can see this at work right at the moment in movements around the world targeting uh, the beautiful freedoms that have been brought about through the gospel message into the nations of the world. And, um, and so the gospel has that effect, that it brings about these amazing freedoms. So uh, the enemy is desiring to tear all of that down, but we know that God is in control. And so we, we have to understand that even though Satan might target your body and that his weapon is suffering, God is in control. So let's uh, continue and let's have a look at Satan's purpose uh, in this. First of all, we'll read a couple of verses that we used as, um, as uh, our text for, uh, for these two messages on uh, the destroyer. All of these are taken from the NASB. Um, so be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a, like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Revelation 9, 
verse 11. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, destruction. And in the Greek, he has the name Apollyon, destroyer. Matthew 12, verse 22. And there was brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And Job 2, verse 6. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he, meaning Job, is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan targets your body. His weapon is suffering. And his purpose is to make you impatient with the will of God. Impatient with the will of God. This, this is the purpose of the enemy, is to cause in you an impatience with the, with the will of God. Now, the only place, interestingly, where we're studying James on the Wednesday nights and um, uh, the only place that you find uh, uh, Job mentioned in the New Testament is in James 5, verse 11, and it says that, Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. And so one of the things that we learn from Job is that he endured, not, not perfectly, but he did. And this verse indicates within the background that there was a purpose of God at work because James says, and we've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. So there was a purpose of God at work in Job's sufferings. Even though the enemy had a plan, God had a plan as well. And so we concur with, with Romans that God works all things together for good. So the Lord is full, and full of compassion and merciful is what James reveals to us, that that was the outcome of what we learned about God through the sufferings and the endurance of Job. So Satan had a purpose, though, and his purpose was to try and get Job to give up, that, that Job would betray the Lord through his sufferings. And he did become impatient. He became impatient with himself and, with, and, uh, and critical of his friends, but he didn't lose faith. And um, so he, though he didn't understand what God was doing, Job knew that he could trust God and that God would vindicate him to the end. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So patience is very important, and it, it is one of the most important Christian virtues. Um, it's hard to say which virtue indeed is the most important. Uh, some might say courage, and, um, uh, you know, there is a saying that says that courage is the virtue upon which all others stand. Um, and so it, it may be, um, but nevertheless, patience is a very important Christian virtue. And, and unless we have patience, we can never learn uh, many of the truths that God wants us to learn because the process of learning those truths is going to come through the endurance of suffering. And, uh, and these are truths that will lead us into the deeper life and the more fruitful ministry. Um, I think it was. Uh, uh, Sanders, uh, no, no, Oswald Chambers, 
who talked about the dark night of the soul and this period, of, this in, in prolonged period of difficulty that he went through in his Christian life um, in trying to resolve the will of God, and he called this the dark night of the soul. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 3, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And um, put that into the context of Galatians when you read it, and it's a, a wonderful verse for you to uh, to look at. So, you know, children are usually very impatient, and as we get older, um, we learn the value of patience. And many of the parents who've said to their children, have patience, just wait, um, because they, they want to know how long do I have to wait, when is this going to happen, how long till birthday, how long till Christmas, how long till holiday, and uh, all these kinds of things. But impatience is a mark of immaturity, and uh, it's also uh, a mark of unbelief and a mark of fleshliness. Um, Isaiah 28 verse 16, he that believeth will not make haste. Literally, he won't be in a hurry. Uh, he'll, he'll be able to endure the situation in a patient waiting upon God. So when you find yourself restless and nervous to do something uh, and you're not sure what, so you just want to pounce into an area or one area or another area, you can be pretty sure that you're not trusting God to work in that circumstance. Um, and you and I need to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews chapter 6, what a great passage for us uh, to, to take light and wisdom for our own walks from uh, faith and patience. So let me read that to you again. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience go together. And this is really important for us. Um, the Word of Faith community has done a lot of damage to uh, the modern Christian and our ability to trust God through trials and difficulties because we tend to think that trials um, uh, can can come into this place where they're opposed to the will of God and nothing could be further from, from the truth. If we really trust God, we will wait on him. And this is important for us because impatience is not only a mark of immaturity and unbelief, but it's also a mark of fleshly living. The, the flesh, the old nature, is always impatient with the will of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, remember, is love, joy, peace, patience. It's right up there near the top of the list, or at least in the first half of the list. So, you know, we need to understand that one of God's works in us is to cause in us a patience uh, that he is working in our lives to bring about his purpose, and you and I need to wait patiently on him to achieve that purpose. So by nature, um, we are impatient, 
And that impatience is a problem. So with the new birth, God births in us a, a or by a process, he is transforming us from the old to the new so that as Romans 8.29 says, we're more and more transformed all the time into the image of Jesus. And so it's important for us that, um, that we not be impulsive and impatient because when we are so, we can be pretty sure at those times that we're not walking in the spirit. We're not waiting on God for his leading and direction. Impatience always leads to costly mistakes. And we could think of a number of people, but consider Abraham is an example used in scripture. He married, um, well, he, he consummated some kind of relationship with his wife's handmaid uh, in as a way of by default, bringing the son of promise into the world. Um, a son was born, but this son was nothing but trouble. And Abraham had to wait another 14 years for the child of promise to be born. And Isaac brought incredible blessing uh, to, uh, to the home. And then as a result to the nation. So Saul became impatient. Um, David uh, exercised impatience. Peter became impatient at the Garden of Gethsemane, tried to kill a man who was, you know, maybe it was impatience or, or defensive of his Lord. Um, but uh, he acted out of haste and, and it was not out of wisdom. So Peter's impatience uh, almost cost a man his life and maybe even his own life uh, had the Lord not stepped in and healed the wounded man. So um, Satan knows that impatience often leads to trouble. So he will needle you and I uh, all the time. It, it leads us into making rash decisions. Um, it is very destructive within relationships. A relationship goes through a period of difficulty or, or struggle, a marriage relationship in particular, and so one of the marriage partners may seek a more immediate satisfaction somewhere else. Uh, it's such a simple thing, but it can it can lead to such great trouble. So S Satan knows that if he can make us impatient, uh, he can lead us into doing something stupid that will affect our lives and even many other people around us as well. But contrary to that, patient endurance is enriching. And Paul says about this patient endurance that, that the trying of our faith in this lifetime is but a, it's a short imposition in this lifetime because we have an eternity of reward in comparison. But our problem is that we see the suffering that we're facing now and, and that becomes um, all-encompassing uh, all in our lives right now. And so our, our focus gets taken away from the internal to the temporal immediately and we see the suffering that we're facing now and we want to uh, be removed out of that suffering as quickly as we can. So, you know, Satan tempts us during these times of suffering so that he can bring out the worst in us uh, through these times. And uh, But God's intention, so, so think about this, we come into a time of suffering and, and Satan is tempting us to be impatient at that time so that he can bring out the worst in us. But the Lord wants us through that time to exercise 
patience as a fruit of the Spirit because he knows that in that he can produce the best in us. Job knew this, and that's why Job said in 23.10, but he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What a statement that Job makes. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Think about those words for a moment because Satan is trying to target your body with suffering to make you impatient to the will of God. And Job says that in that trying of my life, God at the end is going to bring me forth to shine like gold. There is something pure and something perfect in the purpose of God through uh, the time of trial and difficulty. Now, God will not allow Satan to randomly put us through trials. God has a definite purpose in mind for the trials that we face. He wants to make in you, he wants to transform you into the image of Christ. Uh, if you if you turn to Romans 8, and here is the Lord's purpose for you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God is... Uh, is working in you through trials to conform you into the image of Christ. Now, Satan can't randomly put you through a trial, um, so he doesn't have that authority. Um, and God will not allow you just to be randomly put through some trial as if there's no purpose to it. These trials that we face are the tools that God uses to mature us and transform us into the image of Christ all the time, trying to get us to look less like our former selves and more like our Lord and Saviour Jesus. So the tools to build our faith and to strengthen us often uh uh, come out of the very trials that we face. We learn things about ourselves and we gain information uh, that that strengthens us. And you can be sure that when you find yourself being impatient, you can be sure that Satan and the flesh are at work and that you are in danger of making a wrong decision in that time. So um, patience is taught through experience, and be certain of this, that impatience indicates that Satan and the flesh are at work in your life. Now, God has given us a defense, praise God, and that defense is uh, a, a wonderful defense for us, um, but impatience, as we mentioned before, always leads to costly mistakes. Um, let's go on to this defence that God has given us, and that is the imparted grace of God. God imparts grace to our lives. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. 
says, And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Notice all of the process of God that is at work here, that God has allowed something, even though it was a a messenger from the enemy, but God has allowed this to keep Paul from exalting himself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Get a hold of those words this morning because there is a a wonderful statement here for us uh, in this, a wonderful lesson for us. I want to read that portion again. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I would really urge you to read over and over in that passage and, uh, and let it be, uh, um, become strongly embedded in your heart, in your spirit. Take time to read it slowly. We don't know exactly. There are, you know, people have surmised all kinds of things about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but whatever it was, it buffeted him enough to make him pray three times that God would uh, heal him or deliver him from it. Now, um, it's interesting. So many times you see the life of Paul correlates so much with the Lord. The Lord prayed three times that the, the cup of suffering might pass from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and so uh, that, that's just interesting, an interesting correlation. So only by the grace of God can we have patient endurance through trials and difficulties and then discover what God is teaching us out the other side of that trial. First Peter 5 verse 10 uh, says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The Holy Spirit who indwells. Now, notice that Peter called the Lord there the God of all grace. Then uh, Hebrews 10, verse 29, we have the Holy Spirit who indwells us is the spirit of grace. Uh, God's throne in Hebrews 4 is a throne of grace. And in Acts 20, we're told that his word is the word of his grace. So God, you know, God is all about grace from beginning to end. Sorry, excuse me. God is all about grace from beginning to end. God's grace is the provision for your every need. You know, grace is so opposed 
to law. It's not some mystical substance that God pours into us when we have a need. Grace is God's bountiful supply for our every need. And it's so opposed to law. By grace you are saved through faith, not by works. So grace and law are so opposed to each other. Law requires that I do something for God. But grace reveals that God has done something for me and, and in fact, is doing something for me. God is, by his grace, continuing to work in me and to help me. Grace, the wonderful thing about grace is that it's not deserved. It, it cannot be deserved. It, it can't be earned and it can only be given. And God is the giver of grace to us. He supplies grace to you and I because of his wonderful nature. So you were saved by God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I just quoted before, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. This means that the riches of God's grace are available to you in Ephesians 2. God can give you grace for serving in 1 Corinthians 15, grace for sacrificing of your life for the sake of others in 2 Corinthians 8, and even for singing uh, and, and for speaking in Colossians and in, in um, uh, 3 and, and in Colossians 4. But it also means that God can give you grace to endure suffering so that his purpose in your life can be the outworking of that suffering so that when God brings you forth from that suffering, you will come forth like refined gold, as Job said. Now, there are a couple of steps that you can take when you face suffering, and uh, these steps you can, um, you know, just a few simple steps. Firstly, submit to God. Now, we so often just want to take control of the circumstances or devise a way out, but the first thing that you and I should do is seek the Lord in the situation. Right in that time that we seek God, God, what is at work here? What, what are you trying to achieve as an outcome from this? This feels like an onslaught from the enemy, but, Lord, I know you're in control. So submit to God Immediately tell him how you feel that, that this is, you know, getting you down or this has angered you or frustrated you, whatever. God is not, he's not offended by our, our human expression of emotion. But also tell him that you love him and that you will trust him to produce in you what he desires to produce in you. That's the important thing, beloved. So you can say, God, this, is, this has hurt me, but I know that you're in, you're in charge, that you're in control. Sorry about the squeaky chair. Um, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, Job said. So there is an expression of grief. Even if he kills me, I will trust him. So submit to God. Then thank God for the trial. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, always giving thanks for all things. Now, sometimes 
we may, especially if we've been in the Word of Faith movement, we might read that as always giving thanks for all the good things, but for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This doesn't mean that you enjoy suffering, but only that you rejoice because your suffering, you know, is has been permitted by God and that God has a purpose for that suffering to produce in you the nature of Jesus Christ so that you are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I tell you, Satan hates it when believers will thank God for their difficulties. He hates it when you and I will say, God, this, this has me down, but I trust you. God, this, is, this feels like more than I can bear, but I trust you. And I thank you that you've entrusted me to, to suffer in this way. Then what, what, really, what we really need in those times is we need enriching. And so spend much time in the word of God through your trial. Remember, what is God's word? We, we mentioned before, it is the word of his grace. And what you need in times of trial is the imparted grace of God to help you through that time. So we don't live on explanations. There are some things that, that, um, that are out of our understanding. There are things that God may not have permitted for us to understand at this point in time. Um, but we know we can trust God and we can endure the circumstances and that God will be glorified through it and that you and I, therefore, um, can see God, uh, God being glorified and we can see ourselves grow through that trial. God didn't explain to everything to Abraham and that's, you know, Abraham took some things into his own hands and then had to learn a lesson and trust God and wait on God. Psalm 119 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. And verse 71 says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may, I may learn thy statutes. So spend much time in the word of God and you'll discover that God's word uh, within it, it has the promises and encouragements that you need for each day uh, as you face these difficult circumstances. Romans 15 verse 4 says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Is there a better verse for us than that? Romans 15 verse 4, that whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Finally. Look for ways to glorify Christ in your circumstance. When you think of some of the wonderful people in the Christian life who have endured much suffering, and oftentimes we, we thank God that that's not us, but when you hear those people testify, they always are saying, I thank God for this because... and." some glorious testimony about Jesus comes out of it, and, and I think immediately of Joni Erickson. 
Wonderful testimony for Christ. God wants to use your body to glorify him. He wants to use your your body to glorify him. Satan wants to use your body to disgrace God. This is the the, uh, different purpose. So patience in suffering always glorifies God. It brings about great glory to the name of Christ. Unconverted people can't understand that, and sometimes even religious people can't understand that a believer can suffer and endure suffering and bring glory to Jesus. Listen to 1 Peter 2.20. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure, this finds favour with God. 1 Peter 4, verse 16, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name let him glorify God. I mean, it couldn't be more expressive about the nature and the purpose of suffering that you and I bring glory to Jesus in the midst of shame and suffering. Paul and Silas in prison, singing and praising God. They weren't weren't aware of what the circumstances, what the outcome was going to be. Um, while he's being stoned, Stephen glorified God and um, and even prayed for his murderers. So, um, you know, you can look at David's psalm, you can look at um, Philippians, one of, a joyful letter, Philippians, written from prison, just as a matter of interest. So, you know, when you follow these instructions, you will dis- discover the spirit of grace working in your life and imparting to you the grace of God. And this this will be a wonderful weapon for you in the Christian life to defeat Satan with uh, as as he works to um, uh, cause you to be impatient with God's will. You'll experience God's love and grace within. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Think about that. Meditate on that verse today because if you live to please yourself, then Satan will win. But if you live to glorify God, Satan will lose even in times of struggle and difficulty. The imparted grace of God is the only weapon that will defeat the enemy. And that imparted grace is only found in the God of all grace, in the spirit of grace, in the word of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. That's all I have for you today on the destroyer. And next week we'll go on to another lesson. Let's close in prayer and then we'll have a a closing hymn. Our Father, we thank you this morning and praise you for your love and your grace. Lord, we praise you for uh, the word of your grace. We ask you, Father, that you would help us to learn to trust you in trial and in difficulty. We praise you for your word, Lord, and we hunger to have the richness of your word in our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.